think the doubleheaders are almost obviously more important because you, you're only got seven innings of baseball, so uh, each at-bat is going to count even more. Um, each inning, getting three outs is going to be huge. It's only going to be 21 outs in the game, so I would say, you know, situationally in the game, if you see something early on, you know, we might go to the bullpen sooner than later just because with a seven-inning game, each inning is more magnified. That was Reese McGuire, who will be behind the plate today in the first of two games. A doubleheader in Los Angeles as the Blue Jays take on the Los Angeles Angels. It is Jeff Blair. It is Kevin Barker. It is a special one-hour baseball central leading up to the first pitch. Bill Ripken from MLB Network joins us. Ben Wagner joins us as well. He will have the call of the game on Sportsnet. 590 the fan and, and you know Kevin uh Stephen Matz gets the start in game one for the Blue Jays they've had an off day so everybody should be rested the bullpen should be the bullpen should be good to go after that after that homestand but I, I think what Reese was saying there we 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 talked a little bit about something Mike Petriello wrote uh the uh the other day about how the Blue Jays bullpen since July 1st has had fewer plate appearance situations and high leverage situations in any other bullpen in baseball. And I'm not saying that if you're the Blue Jays, you want to avoid using your bullpen, but Bark, if you are the Blue Jays, you probably avoid wanting to use the bullpen for any more, ideally, than two innings in in this first game. Yeah, Stephen Matz has got to, you know, get the fastball going early. The sinker's got to have a little sink to it. You know, stay away from the run, middle of the plate. Uh, you know, stay at the outskirts of the strike zone. Don't throw balls down the middle. Two different breaking balls we saw last time. He can throw one, get me over. The one he was throwing a little bit harder, the back foot of the righty, that was a good pitch for him. The, the sink on the changeup was down. If he's down with the secondary pitches and can sprinkle in with the fastball, up with the fastball, and occasionally go away with the fastball, he'll be okay, right? It's, they're not asking him to go seven innings. Just give him a quality five innings. Hopefully they have the lead and they can turn it over to their highest leverage guys and and get a win in that first game it's that's who sets the tone it's the guy standing on the mound and and Steven Matz is starting to you know look like he's got a little mojo he looks healthy he looks confident when he's confident he can throw strikes he can give you some quality innings and that's what they need on the road they got three the four games here in three days they need a really good start from Steven Matz yeah, they absolutely do. And again, this doubleheader is a result of a uh, game that was uh, postponed between these two teams uh, earlier this year. The lineup for the Blue Jays is as follows. George Springer will lead off in center field. Vladdy will be at first base. Marcus Semyon is at second. Bo Bichette is back in the lineup at shortstop. You'll remember he missed Sunday's game with a couple of shin contusions. Charlie Montoya saying as far as he knows right now, obviously he's good to go in game one. Uh, game two will be a, a game-time decision. Teoscar Hernandez is the DH. Corey Dickerson in the left field. Randall Gritchick is in right field. Bravik Valera back at third base we mentioned. Reese McGuire behind the plate, Stephen Matz on the, uh, on the mound. And, and, Kev, the focus here for most of the series is going to be Vladdy Jr. against Shohei Otani, two of the front runners for the AL MVP award. Uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, Vladdy Jr., that last homestand, 9 for 45, two homers, a double. You made the point. He hit two balls that were definitely out of the park in Buffalo or Dunedin. They weren't out at the Rogers Center. Uh, it, it's going to be. It's always fun to see 
two of the game's best players go head-to-head. And even better in this case, because in the fourth game, we're going to see the two best, arguably two of the best hitters in the game, really go head-to-head because one of the dudes is going to be pitching. Yeah, again, Vladdy, just stay with it yourself. He's 22 years old. He'll try and hopefully doesn't go outside himself and, you know, do things he can't do. I just watched him right before we got on the air there that it was – uh, one of those things where he looked like, for me, he had a little bit of front side pull. He wasn't staying through baseballs. He does that, stay in the big part of the field, good, get, get a good pitch to hit, which is exactly what he's done all year. Just don't try and do too much. Well, everybody knows Shohei Otani right now probably is in the lead of the with the MVP race, the American League, because of what he's doing on both sides of the ball. We've never seen anything like that. The 6-1 and one record, the ERA under 2.5, how hard he throws, and then he comes over and he could hit 50 home runs at the plate. It's, it's something special don't try and do too much if you're vladdy stay within yourself get a good pitch to hit and help your team hopefully win some games it is the angels of course uh where uh, vladdy senior uh, played the tail end of his career went into the hall of fame as a member of the angels so a big night to say the least a big series for vladdy jr who has an appreciation and, and an understanding of what his family's place is in the game. You know, that's one thing about Vladdy is I think you were going to see, uh, you're going to see, my gut is you're going to see Vladdy really try to rise to the occasion here. I think he has a sense of the occasion. I think he's well aware of, of, of what people are saying regarding him in the MVP race. Surely he, you know, he can't, he can't help, but there's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And you know what, Bark? It's, it's like, I mean, you played the game, you know, when you're in, in September, you're getting in the dog days, every now and then you need something to put a little extra pep in your step, right? You know, you need to have that little that little uh, head-to-head competition. So, I'm, I'm not going to say something to play for beyond winning games because that's stupid. But it, it doesn't hurt to have a little bit of added added emotion, a little bit of added adrenaline going into a game on, on August 10th. So, sometimes, too, Vlad, Vlad coming home to the Rogers Center was a lot of pressure on him. He wanted to perform well, do his best, you know, do things that maybe he wasn't capable of doing. You know, you can't go four for four every single night. Stay within yourself. You could tell he was over swinging a little bit. He was chasing on some pitches he normally doesn't swing at. Maybe going on the road, getting away from that just a little bit can get him back to being a little softer with his front foot. You know, when that happens, it, it enables him to recognize pitch a little bit better out of the pitcher's hand, and he can stay in the big part of the field. He's a really good hitter, Jeff, and, and he's a really good player. And it's that just be yourself. Just go up there and not try and do too much. And if he does that, and, you know, you know push comes to shove, bottom line is they're going to have to have him be, you know, not great, but be really, really good. Really, really good is a couple of hits, drive in a run, do it late in games against a really good p- uh, pitching staff. That's sort of what they're asking for him to do on the road and those kind of things. And I, I said it yesterday, and I'll say it again. For me, they have to go 7-2 and two on the road in these nine games. They're, they're better than most of the teams they're about to face, and I think they can do that with some solid uh, starting pitching. You know, the bullpen doesn't explode, which you know, I think Petey and, and Charlie have figured out the, the rotation on when they have to lead the guy they want to go to. So get some timely hits. They'll be all right. It's bringing Bill Ripken of the MLB Network. Bill, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. Really appreciate it uh, today as we get set for game one of this doubleheader between the Jays and the Angels. We were just, we were just talking about, about Vladdy, and you know we're not pushing panic alarms or anything here, but Vladdy's 
homestand offensively was it, it was not his best run of nine games, shall we say. It, it wasn't, obviously, the team won, and he played terrific defense. But Bark made the point there were a couple of balls hit at home. It, had they been playing in Dunedin, had they been playing in Buffalo, they would, would have been out of the park. And you could tell watching Vladdy's reaction that he knew that. So I wanted to ask you this. We are August 10th now. We're in the heat of the summer. As someone who's played this game, what would you, like, what do you look for in a young hitter who's having the type of year Vladdy's having, but now we're getting to the summer, right? Now the, 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 the heat starts to weigh on you a little bit more. I think you look up and you go, wow, it really is a, a marathon. It, it really isn't a sprint. What do you look for as a warning sign with young hitters in particular? Well, I think the one thing that the problem maybe with Vladdy a little bit is he set this bar so high with this year. And you mentioned the two ballparks that you played in earlier, both hitter-hitter-friendly ballparks in Dunedin and in Buffalo. But, you know, Toronto's a pretty good hitter-friendly ballpark, too. Now, it does have some uh, size to it. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I questioned the first and foremost about Vladdy and, and going into those yards is, Boy, we're going into the third backdrop, too, for a home team. The third different batter's box. Uh, think about that. He was in spring training in Dunedin, right? So very comfortable in the batter's box, the backdrop. Uh, it was just last year uh, he played in Buffalo. They haven't been in, in the Dome uh, this year. So I, I think you give them a little bit of a hall pass. And there might be something said for maybe pressing a little bit because – I'm so happy you guys got to have your Blue Jays come home, allowed 15,000 people in the stadium, and probably been 15,000 every night, I'm sure, probably not shy of that. So I think it's only human for a guy um, to be that young, to be that gifted, to want to come back home and say, you know what, I am the guy, and I'm going to prove it to you, and I'm going to get after it. And it might be off to a little bit of a slow start, but I agree with you that going on the road might be what the doctor ordered. Um, he gets back into finding himself, and then when he comes back home, he might put on a display. But Billy, to expand on that question that Jeff just asked you, well, what are some of the challenges for East Coast teams to go to the West Coast late in seasons? Um, you know, I don't know if it's that big of a deal. I really don't, especially in nowadays game. I think the travel is a little bit better. The off days are more scarce. But getting on the bird and going that far, um, having the hours kind of change on you, I think, is, is real. But being able to get out there maybe early and acclimate yourself um, to a situation, I never really looked at it that much. Um, I, I wasn't an everyday player. Um, it's certainly not the second half of my, my career, but I did have a family member that pretty much played every day for like 37 straight years, <laughs> and I never saw him once complain about getting on the bird, going out there and doing it. So I think it's one of those things, if you, if you put your mind to it and you don't let it creep in, you just go play because that's what you want to do. I think you can get away with it and, and be okay. What do you think these guys are going to notice on – you know, in September baseball. Last year, again, it was different. Last year, it was a sprint. The Jays went to the playoffs. Uh, the games in September mattered, obviously. It got them to the wild card. But, you know, it's funny. I know Bo, 
Bichette had, had talked, uh, we had Dan Schulman on, and he'd mentioned that you know he and Pat Tabler had a chance to talk to Bo around the cage when the Jays came home. And, and Bo wasn't complaining or anything, but he just kind of looked at them and said, that's going to be my first 162-game season. <laughs> you know, and there was that kind of, it was almost like that awareness had set in, right? Yeah, and especially after the sprint of last year. So you have an opportunity to maybe play games. Just think about 60, play a little bit in the playoffs, but that's not near That's not near a minor league season, uh, unless you want to go back to rookie ball days and talk about your first year going to play in 76. But the idea of now all of a sudden this hitting you, and, and I think that you you are going to have to watch that and keep an eye on it. But, but I still think, though, with the, the amount of off days that we have, the travel's good, uh, the food's good, I'm sure the sleep therapists are good, and everything else that's good in baseball for these players, um, you need to go out there. You might monitor, okay, I'm not going to do anything early today. But I think sometimes going out there like a first day of a road trip, and maybe not the first one of the road trip, but somewhere in between, if you get out there and get a little time on the field early, um, and I always called it like a, a little bit of a cathedral. If something wasn't going quite right and you found a hitting coach and a guy to throw you a little BP and say, hey, can I have a half a bag of balls today? And you go out there and take 75 or 80 swings by yourself and you walk out there by yourself and you pick up all the balls that are laying out on the field and put them away. There's something therapeutic about that that kind of gets you back into the flow of things and make you realize why you're doing it. Yeah, do you think there's anything Vladdy can do to uh, take that MVP front-runner spot away from Shohei Otani? Uh, is he going to start pitching? Um, if he starts throwing 95, then he might have a legitimate <laughs> – no, I, I still like to let this year play out. I understand what Otani's been able to do. Um, we've never seen anything like this nope. dude's doing. The fact that he's ranked in the top ten with pitchers and – hitting the ball out of the ballpark and doing all the stuff that he's doing. But I still like to maintain it's a full-season award. And if Vladdy can get hot again, and let's make the Blue Jays get a push and maybe into a wild-card spot or really close, because I still like to lean on that MVP as being somebody that's valuable to their team and their team needs to be in contention, especially if there's guys putting up numbers, right? If nobody puts up numbers – and somebody on a last-place team has just absolutely crushed it and way ahead of everybody, then go ahead and give it to them. But there's something to be said, in my opinion. I still like the way it's worded, most valuable player. And if Vladdy gets hot again and he can push Toronto uh, to a possible wild-card spot or make it really close at the end of the year and he's got numbers to back that up, I don't understand a reason why he couldn't be considered and argued for being the MVP. In conversation with Bill Ripken on Baseball Central, first pitch tonight between the Jays and the Los Angeles Angels, 6.07 Eastern. Game two of the doubleheader set to go at 10.07 Eastern. Uh, you can hear it right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and, of course, watch it on uh, Sportsnet. Bill, talk, talking a, a little bit about the American League East and broadening our discussion a bit, we just saw the Boston Red Sox in here. The Jays took three of four from them, uh, a series that almost seemed like a playoff series, and I think Charlie Montoyo kind of made that point. They're going on to face the Rays now. Uh, you know, the Yankees are in Kansas City. We heard today the Rays, they brought Randy Rosarina off the COVID list. 
put Ryan Yarborough on it. Now, again, that can just be for one or two days. But I, I'm looking at this, and and I, I'm, I'm hoping this doesn't happen, but you almost get the sense that as we get towards the end of September, it, it – Bill, it just kind of feels like you may have somebody not available, a, a big player not available for an important game because of this. How do how do teams go about handling that? I'm not talking about the, you know, I'm not talking about the, uh, you know, the, the testing or anything like that. But you know, if you're the Rays, you're about to start the series, and the guy that was going to pitch for you, he's not going to be able to pitch because of this. Maybe he's back tomorrow. Maybe he's back in two days. And how, how do how do teams kind of adjust that thinking? Well, I, I think that you go in with the mindset, okay, it's the same for everyone. You know, everybody's playing under the same rules, of, uh, so to speak, and you, you have to figure out a way to, to deal with that. You know, when you're talking about the American League East, I don't think that it necessarily got the credit at the start of the season as far as being top in baseball. But once again, I always like to let these seasons play out because I think when you add up the wins at the end of the year, I think the American League East is going to be right there in contention with every other division as far as uh, winning baseball games. And look, Baltimore, you guys know you've played them. They they don't just roll over and say, you know, okay, have your way with us. Let's let's get after it. So I think it's a really good division. But as far as the guys going down, and and not being there, I think everybody's got to go in with the mindset. It's the it's the world we live in right now, and everybody's probably going to deal with it somehow or another. And I guess the best way to get through that is not hang your head, don't play victim, because I don't think anybody's going to feel sorry for you if a team rolls into town and three of your guys can't play. Um, they're going to go out there and still do their job. So you got to understand that it might happen. And then you got to go get after it if it does happen, and you got to make the adjustments to get through it. Okay, all, all that you said, that AL wild card looks like it's going to come right down to the wire. Which two teams you got sliding into that slot? Well, they're all good. I mean, yeah. I, there's something about trying for me to push for Toronto to do it. I don't know if they can actually do it right now because they've got to jump uh, some teams. Once again, Tampa is the most amazing team to me. I don't necessarily agree 100% on how things get done down there, but I do agree 100% that they get done down there and they go out there and win games. The Yankees in that bizarro world game that they just played yesterday against Kansas City um, is, is, is not a good sign for any other team trying to be in there. The Red Sox don't know. We got Chris Sale coming back. Um, that could be like a, a deadline uh, acquisition. He hasn't been out there on the bump in a long time. And if he comes back and pitches anywhere you know, close to Chris Sale, they're in the mix. So I guess my, my long, drawn-out answer of not answering your question is, I think it's going to be a fun race to watch, and I'm going to sit back. <laughs> and When the two teams play each other at the end of the year for that one-game play-in, I'm going to go, those are the two teams. <laughs> Bill, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much, man. Terrific insight. Thanks, always. I appreciate you guys, and uh, I'm so glad you guys got your team back and people can get out there and enjoy them because they are fun to watch. They certainly are. Thank you, Bill. That's always Thanks, Bye, boys. Bill Ripken of uh, the MLB Network. The Angels have submitted their lineup. David Fletcher will lead off at second. Shohei Otani is a DH. Phil Gosselin at first base. Jose Iglesias is a shortstop. Justin Upton and left. Joe Adele is in right field. Max Stassi's behind the plate. 
Juan Lagares is in center field. Jack Mayfield at third base, and uh, Chris Rodriguez uh, is on the mound. Mr. Barker, what is it? He, he's uh, he's making the start. Is this the second start of the year? Second start of the year? Third start? Yeah, he hasn't it, given up any yeah, home runs, does he? Yeah, 25 and two-thirds, he hasn't allowed a homer. This is his second career start. Yeah, it's right. He's a hard thrower. He's a sinker baller with a big curveball. That's exactly mm-hmm. sometimes what the Blue Jays have a little issue with. There's a couple of guys on that team that's had an, a bat or two against him, but for the most part, it's show and go, seeing what a guy's got, simplifying it, look right down the middle, swing at your pitch until two strikes, and then you have to battle. But this, for me, is when the veteran guys who've been there and done it, and, and Bill there had you know, alluded to that a little bit. And when you go on the road and you got some veteran guys sprinkled in with a couple of, of young guys who are elite players, you need those veteran guys to step up and have those quality at-bats to pass the baton on to, to the younger guys to just – allow them to see ball hit ball and and that's for me what they're going to have to do in this series don't overthink it don't try and do too much go up there get your pitch and when you get it don't miss it and if they do that and get some halfway decent starting pitching for me they'll take three out of four games here 590 590 is the text line we'll be joined by ben wagner in a few minutes this is baseball central pregame edition on sportsnet 590 the fan It's going to be a tough decision, which means they're both pitching good, which is great. And But we'll see. And, you know, the one thing about Ross, that he's done it before. And he's comfortable there, so that could help in the move. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens after these two games, and then we'll go from there. That is the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, Charlie Montoyo, speaking today. Uh, we've talked a lot about this. Kevin Barker joined now by Ben Wagner, our radio voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet 590. The fan 607 is the first pitch, by the way. We've talked a lot about this, guys. Uh, at some point, the Jays will likely go away from a six-man rotation, which theoretically at least would suggest that Ross Stripling or Steven Matz, who are both starting today, one of the two may go to the bullpen. Uh, a couple of things... Ben and Kevin, the first thing I always like to throw the caveat out there, injuries have a way of impacting these decisions, especially as we've seen with the Blue Jays. And we've got off days to factor in there as well. You've got Alec Manoa's workload that needs monitoring, if not necessarily curtailing. I I think, I don't know yet, if Ben, if we have an accurate grasp on where this is going, do you? I think they're leaning but I don't think the decision has been made, right? Because you're, yep. always, you're always concerned about what you just mentioned first, and that's the injury concerns. How are guys really feeling? Should you build in an off day to skip a guy, essentially, and keep another guy in term of his regular turn in the rotation? Um, and, and, and bottom line, who, who right now deserves you know, to stay in the mm-hmm. rotation? And I think Charlie may have tipped the organization's thinking uh, in his comment right there, saying Ross Stripling has done this before, so it's going to be less of uh, less of a move versus Stephen Matz. Yeah, and I guess the the thing that I the thing that I kind of get from that is you don't want to eliminate one of the two guys. And what I mean by that is, if you put Steve Matz in the bullpen, well, who the hell knows what you're going to get. If you put Ross Stripling in the bullpen, you you have an idea because he's done it before. And and so I think it, it may come down less to whose numbers are better over the next three or four starts or two or three starts or whatever it is, to just the practical the practical 
idea of how do we keep using this guy? How do we maximize what we have? And, and look, look at this, too, for me, Jeff. This is where I think there is a comfortability for the Blue Jays to get back into a situation where the Blue Jays have wanted, they have not had it, the ability to have, but now they will, a long man in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And, and with Ross Stripling, he's not a guy that Charlie and Pete are going to rely on to get six or seven. I mean, they're, they're happy with five, and there is some concern third time through the order with Ross Stripling and his numbers. For Steven Matz, though, if he can go out there and give you six and the curveball and the changeup are now better pitches and you're building off the fastball, that's the guy that they're going to expect to go deeper into the ball game. Yes, being a traditional starter, but that's the guy that you want as part of the rotation and going there. That's, this is also why I think Ross makes the better move because of, yes, the comfortability and his history doing this, but also it's a guy that they're not going to lean on every fifth day to go out there and find or search for a CG at the end of the day. Steven Matz can still do that for you. Ben, what's going on with Jordan Romano? Saw a couple of 101s. We saw 300s. We see no less than 97. What's going on with him? Well, it looks like a lot more power is coming out of there. He's a quieter guy on, on top of the hill. Uh, where does it come from? I think he really enjoyed pitching in his backyard the last couple of days. Uh, he, he, I asked him how he's feeling and everything else, and I mean, everything is great and rosy and this and that and the other, and you were wondering why the dip in velocity just a little bit of about a month ago, and all of a sudden it surged back up. And Pete, Pete also alluded that there have been a couple of mechanical changes, and I couldn't get him to dive into it, uh, but calming him down on the Romano, calming him down on the mound, and whatever mechanical thing that they have been able to figure out, I think has been the uptick in the velocity. Yeah, and I think too the fact that this guy, this guy made a pretty, a, a pretty large adjustment, very public adjustment in season, uh, with you know with the squat. And I, look, I don't know uh, physiologically what it does to him pitching or anything like that, but when you make an adjustment like that, well, I'm going to put it this way. Look at what we saw to Ross Stripling when he made his adjustment. He discovered something. He became a much better pitcher. And maybe this is, yeah, I'm not an expert, but maybe this is something that's help un, help, uh, helped unlock you know, two or three miles an hour for, for Jordan Romano. And maybe in the long run, it will you know, make him more durable. I had an opportunity to talk with Jordan, and I asked him about the adjustments on all of the pre-pitch Antics, routine, whatever you want to call it, right? I mean, it was just, it was very, very distinctive. You knew exactly, no matter if you're a casual baseball fan, a deep baseball fan, when you see Jordan Romano on the mound going through all this stuff, you go, oh, that's the Blue Jays, Jordan Romano, right? Because all the stuff that he does. There is major concern about his time to the plate and opponents taking advantage of extra bases, whether it's first to second or second to third. That running game is in his mind. And that's a, a major, major catalyst to, to go out there and simplify things to be a little bit more in rhythm, less of a guy that runners are going to take extra bases on. So this is all by design. And, and Jordan was, was admitting it. Uh, the Blue Jays were concerned about it. The coaches, obviously, they weren't necessarily going to change him with him being successful. But when it comes glaring, and now all of a sudden you continue to give up runs – then it becomes a problem. Right. Then you got to make the adjustments. Okay, you've seen Corey Dickerson for a couple of games here now. What do you like about him? 
Uh, I like the way he moves in the outfield. You know, his routes have been pretty good. I don't think, you know, he's running 100% yet. I have enjoyed the at-bats. Doesn't really look that overmatched. He kind of comes as advertised, right? Yeah. Hands are good. I don't think the timing's down yet. But I also think that he's going to get an opportunity to play against a lot of right-handed pitching. And with the opportunity to play, if you can get back into Corey Dickerson of just a couple of years ago, now that becomes a big plus for this lineup and a lot more comfortable to watch in left field. Uh, kind of a quiet home stand for Vladdy Jr., you know, which is to be expected. It's it's August. Things are, you know, things are, are the, the dog days are here. I'm wondering if maybe getting out into that sort of that fresh air of California and uh, you know, coming up against Shohei Otani in his dad's former ballpark. I, I Ben, I don't know about you, but I'm intrigued to see the type of series that Vladdy Jr. has here. Fascinated by this. I was actually doing a scroll through my camera because I remember being at the Big A in 2019. This was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. shortly after his Major League debut. His first trip west, and it had a number of layers on it. You're going back to a place that his dad has his name in their Hall of Fame. He won an MVP there. He had great seasons as an Angel. Yes, so there's the lineage. But it's also L.A., baby. And (laughs) the, (laughs) the amount of star power around Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and the hype machine that was the debut and getting him then out west. So every major network was there. Of course, all the LA TV affiliates were out there. There was a media throng. And Vladdy had that electric smile on him even then. There is a different kind of feel when you go to Los Angeles. And it was it was also replicated later on in that year, too going to Dodger Stadium, and by that time, Bo Bichette was up and he had a couple of big games. But it was different for Vladdy when we went to Los Angeles last year. And I think the fact that he has thrived with all the media spotlight this season specifically around the All-Star game, comfortability a little bit more now around Shohei Otani, uh, the interactions that they had during the All-Star game in those three or four days, now going back to L.A. uh, with all of that, and the way that he has had success in that, uh, I, I'm really fascinated with this series as they go head to head. Because okay, yeah, wasn't a wasn't a great homestand. You know, yeah, you've Vladdy. seen Bravik Valera up close. Do you think he can continue to be an impactful player for the Blue Jays? Impact? I think he can be steady. I don't think he's going to be an impact player. Uh, you no. know, I, I think with with ability to switch hit. And he has yet to look overmatched. Um, For me, you know, defensively, probably the safest place for him to play is at third base. His range is a little challenged. He doesn't have good footwork, doesn't have fast feet. So second base for him the other day I thought might have been a problem, but really never became a problem. Uh, But again, you know, we've talked about this too. The way the Blue Jays move guys around with the shifting and stuff, that cuts down the amount of territory in a traditional sense a guy would have to cover. Uh, I don't think that he can be an impact player, but I think he can be a, a, a player that can go in there and hold his own. That's, that's what I think. Now, we know from uh, Charlie's news conference today as well that Nate Pearson has had his arrival in Buffalo delayed due to an illness that Charlie was asked and said it was not COVID, COVID-related. So we'll take it. We'll take, we'll t- we'll take that take it at his word uh, Ben I I mean I know we've got a lot in our plate here but if you can close your eyes and tell me your best case scenario for Nate Pearson this year and then tell me what you think is the most realistic scenario for Nate Pearson this year and if it's one and the same God bless you yeah I, I mean the 
the best case scenario, the one in the same scenario is Nate Pearson goes out. He has five outings at AAA sometime when Buffalo gets back there this week, and they, they're scheduled to open tonight in western New York. But again, I'm told that Nate is inbound to Buffalo. So a couple of days from now, you expect him to be on the mound, get a handful of appearances. More than anything, Jeff and Kevin, we need to see Nate Pearson throw strikes. Bottom line, that is where it starts for me with Nate Pearson. And then if he can command the strike zone, then you bring him into the conversation when there is a need for the Blue Jays' bullpen. That's the best-case scenario. And then he can replicate it. We just in two years have not seen Nate Pearson go out and dominate the strike zone. If he is able to command the strike zone and dominate within that box, I think the dominant numbers are going to come from Nate Pearson because we all saw what happened in Tampa Bay during the playoff games. That's what you need okay. to see. Okay, Delise, uh, his last outing, you know, he had a pretty good one. He worked through two through six in that order against the Red Sox, kept him in it, gave that lineup a chance. Do you think he is you know, getting a little bit more trust from Petey, Charlie? We'll expect maybe to see him in some higher leverage spots. Little by little, yeah. I don't think he's going to jump in there and go to the eighth or the ninth right away. I think that maybe there's a – a little bit more of trust. The fastball command was so much better, too, you know, and that slider was a lot better. Um, I talked to a couple of people on the field when the Blue Jays were home this past weekend, and some guys are taking this as a bigger learning curve than others with the way that the baseballs are different and the way Major League Baseball is policing any substance, uh, let alone, you know, the, the big substances that have been labeled in this thing. Um, baseballs are just different, and some guys are taking a little bit longer to figure it out. And Dolis lost the grip, lost command of a lot of his pitches. And uh, I, I really liked him going righty on righty this past weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was probably you know the best that he's looked in a really really long time, especially with the slider. So that gave me a lot more confidence in watching Dolis. Uh, given the situation that the Blue Jays were in and needing him. I mean, bottom line is they're going to need him at some point, and you would like to have the fact that P. Walker and Charlie Montoyo have zero hesitation with Rafael Dolis late in a game situation. And um, I just don't know that it's all the way back yet, but they've also been afforded, you know, with the emergence of Adam Simber and Jordan Romano coming back with that upper 90 to triple-digit velocity returning with Romano. They, you know, they haven't had to lean on Dolis to get in there in those pressure cooker situations late. Yeah, we've had a chance to talk to, or I had a chance to talk to Charlie about this down at the field level. I think you may have been there as well when we were talking about Adam Simber and the impact he has made on that bullpen just by sort of virtue of his personality and by the way the way he is on the mound and by the way he pitches. It's you know, like Charlie said, you see him come into the game and... You, you, you kind of get the sense that not much is going to happen. You're not going to give up a home run. There's not going to be a lot of hard contact. If your guys catch the ball, you're probably going to be okay. Good feeling, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to know that somebody somebody in the eighth or the ninth is coming in there and they're going to throw strikes and you're just going to see soft contact. You just have to be on your toes. And that's the way that you would draw it up. And that's great. That's great for Adam Simber. And, again, he's doing it to both sides. That doesn't necessarily have to be a guy that flails righty on righty in this situation. They feel as comfortable watching Adam Simber on the mound against a right-handed hitter as they do with a left-handed hitter because he attacks them differently. It's coming from a weird angle that left-handed batters usually don't see. 
And also, Simber is coming right in on guys on a pitch that's not only going in from that submarine sidearm delivery, but also rising up and in on them, not tailing down and away like you usually see sidearmers try to get left-handed batters to fish after. Ben, really good of you to do this today. Thanks so much. We'll enjoy your call tonight. Your Sounds- calls, I should say. Yes, tonight. calls, late night, Blue Jay style. Oh, thanks, Kevin. I know you're rooting for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be listening. <laughs> Take care. See that is guys. Ben Wagner. Buddy. Absolutely. Ben Wagner, radio voice of the Blue Jays. 607 will be the first pitch from Angel Stadium in lovely Anaheim as the Jays open a four game series with the uh, first of a doubleheader. The Jays will be the home team in game one of this doubleheader, I believe. Uh, again, one of the games was canceled. I think I think they're the home team in this. I could be wrong. Yes, no, the Jays are the home team in this, and uh, we look forward to your we look forward to your call, Ben. Take care. Um, the uh, Stephen Matz will start Game One, as we mentioned, and uh, Ross Stripling gets to start in the second game. And I think uh, I think you kind of got. Kevin, you kind of got the idea from talking to Ben. I think we're all on the same page here when it comes to Stripling and Matt, doesn't it? it it's, it, you know, unless one of them just fall, just craters completely. I think the decision, especially if you're in the race, I think the decision is you go with what's going to allow you to use both arms. Like, it, it's no point to me. There's no point to me putting Steven Matz in the bullpen if you're not going to use him. It, it makes no sense. Yeah, or Ross Stripling. Where would you use him? You're only using him for for you know extended innings when your starter's not real good to bridge it to the highest leverage guys. Yeah. Is he capable of doing that? And say he's not pitching for three or four days. He's sitting around you know changing routines and maybe the velocity goes down a tick. The the crispness of the secondary pitches, the change up, the the breaking ball, the little cutter slider thing that he throws is not as good. I, I just don't know what that brings the Blue Jays. If if it's just not better, they stay with the six man rotation. They, you know, well, maybe this thing. gives the big three more of a rest. You get better quality from them yeah. if they do have the extra day of rest. It'll be, it'll be an interesting thing to see how they decide after these two games. Because if they both have six inning starts and don't give up a run, how are you going to throw one of them in the bullpen? Well, my my thinking of the, my thinking is this: uh, I don't think, based on what we've seen this year, I don't think you'll have a difficult time finding a couple of innings here and there for 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 uh, Stripling. First of all, you've got Manoa, and we know that there's going to be a pitch limit at some point. Secondly, there's nothing saying that you make that move. Stephen Matz doesn't have a couple of bad starts, and you put Stripling back in there. So, I, again, to me, it's how do I use both of these guys? Okay, if, if you are going to stay with the six-man rotation, then it doesn't matter. Then it doesn't matter. But if you aren't going to stay with the six-man rotation, I got a choice. I can leave Ross Stripling in the rotation. I'm going to have no use for Steven Matz because he's not going to be able to pitch out of the bullpen. Or... If all things are equal, I'm going to stick with Steven Matz as a starter, knowing I can get use out of him, and then and, and then go with Stripling, a guy who's done it. Like, to me, it's just one guy's comfortable doing one thing, one guy is isn't comfortable doing it. And yeah, again, if they yeah, look, it's a great issue to have. If they don't separate themselves, then it's a real issue. But you know, as look. I've said, things have a way of working out. Things have a way of of of. Things have a way of kind of working out by not right. working out for this. Let, let's not, find let's, a way let's to tr- get 
Stripling. Let's try not to overthink a fifth and sixth guy in a rotation. Let's worry about it getting the big three guys as many starts as possible, keeping them yeah. healthy so they get the ball when they're supposed to get it and get you quality start after quality start because you're going to need Barrios, Ray, and Ryu to do their well, thing. And Alec Manoa, we really have no idea how many innings, how many more starts he's going to get. So it is about the big three, and then you worry about the other three guys when the other three guys have to be worried about. Right. That's, well, the, way and, I, and that's as, the way I'm thinking about it. And I'll tell you what, the other thing is the Tampa Bay Rays are showing us today. With co- I mean, you just don't know with COVID-19, man. You just don't know. You've got to be you got to be prepared for the possibility that one of your starters can't go that day. That, that's I mean, it's all it's it's always I, I you can't plan for it, but it's got to be in the back of your mind at some point. It has to be in the back of your Yeah, head. if I told you two months ago we were worried about how many more starts Ross Stripling was going to get, what would you have said to me? <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> You're right. There You're you right. go. So, so let's uh, not worry about it as much. 6.07 is the first pitch tonight. We'll come back and get you set for it, give you the lineups, give you a few updates as well. It's Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Right, 607 is the first pitch between the Angels and the Jays. The Tampa Bay Rays are leading the East. They will be taking on the bot stop it. They'll be taking on the Boston Red Sox. Keep an eye on that series. The Yankees are taking on Kansas City. As we speak right now, the Jays are seven out in the division. Three back in the wild card. Yankees are two back in the wild card. Boston holds a wild card along with Oakland, Seattle, five and a half out of the wild card. So if you are the Blue Jays, I've always, someone asked me the other day, I ran to somebody in the store and they said, okay, how do you, how do you, how do you cheer for this? Like, how, how do, and I say, you know what, just like, so how, how do I cheer for when it comes to the wild card? You want to eliminate the number of teams in front of you. So my thinking is always this. Tampa's in first place. You want Tampa to beat Boston because they're closer to you. You want somebody to beat the Yankees because they're closer to you. So whoever's the closest to you, that's who you want to lose in that that particular day. Sounds like a lot of worrying. Just root for your team every single day. Yeah, absolutely. Springer, Guerrero, Semyon, Bichette, Bowes back in the lineup to Oscar Hernandez, Corey Dickerson, Randall Gritchuk, Bradick. Bravik Valera, Reese McGuire. That is the Jays lineup in game one. Steven Matt's on the mound. You don't care about the Angels lineup other than the fact that Otani's <laughs> hitting second. I don't care about it. You don't care about it. That's all you need to know. Barker, Matt's stripling. Doubleheader tonight. Talk to me about him. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's no Trout, no Rendon, no Walsh. Justin Upton's been struggling. Uh, Steven Matt's... Uh, 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 has given up 13 homers, 10 of those with runners on. Out of the stretch, he's got to be huge. The reason I, I mentioned that, L.A. is fourth in baseball at hitting home runs at home. Now, I mentioned all those guys they're missing. Ross Stripling's very easy for me. When he's ahead in the count, batters are hitting 145. When he's behind in the count, Jeff, batters are hitting 352. Ooh. Pitch ahead. Pitch ahead, indeed. Pitch ahead, indeed. So, again, the lineup, Springer, Guerrero, Semyon, Bichette, Teoscar, Hernandez, Corey Dickerson, Randall Gritchick. Bravik Valera, Reese McGuire, Jays are the home team in the first game of the double dip. The second game goes at 10.07. Both games, always, as always, on Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet. The lovely and talented Ben Wagner will uh, carry you through 14 innings of baseball. 14 innings of baseball. This will be what? There's, there's, stop it. <laughs> be their second doubleheader in Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Second doubleheader in four days. So, uh, it's in a big league stadium. Uh, yes. It's uh, not the minor leagues. 
That's right. And it's in Cali. And you had a day off. You had a chance to do yeah, your stay hot. They're, run. They're, you know, whatever I used to play doubleheaders in the minor leagues, they give you like a half a sub sandwich. Stay hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Feel your belly on that and go out there and go back, Lake City. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the uh, I'm sure yeah. the boys will be. I'm sure the boys are dining dining better than that. Yeah. Filet mignon. <laughs> 14 innings of high-quality Major League Baseball coming your way. Jays and Los Angeles Angels. 6.07 first pitch. 10.07 the first pitch of the second game. Ben Wagner, he's got his vocal... Cord's all rested. He's got the coffee there. He's good to go. He'll take you through. Ah, if you want, the TV guys are showing the game as well. Go back and forth. That's what we do. Go back and forth. Go back and forth. We'll be back tomorrow at our normal time. Well, our sort of normal time. Five to seven. Have a great night. Enjoy the baseball.